Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. And today what we're going to be talking about is how to navigate emotional client conversations. Yeah. These are going to happen. These are going to happen in your coaching experience. And I think it's really important to speak to these softer sides of coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, At times we can get focused on, okay, well, what does our process look like? And are we delivering all the information at the time? Are we getting all the information across? But those emotional conversations come up a lot because you can't really avoid emotions when talking about money. Yeah. And it's honestly, you'll learn this the more you do coaching. It tends to be the more valuable thing to clients. Getting, figuring out what the right amount is to put into a savings account is not as important as them feeling comfortable and confident that they have the right amount. (laughs) Yeah. So it's also a lot of what we should be doing as well. Very good point. So in terms of what, well, where do you want to start? I love how I always give that. I'm like, where do you want to start? Are we going to start high level? Are we going to take a step back for a bit as Josh likes to do? Well, I always love doing that. So sure, why not? Since you forced me into it. <laughs> and I think it's important to think about what we're talking about when we're talking about emotional, because there are emotional things where people are bringing to you the emotions. So their their stresses or their anxieties. There are emotions where you make a recommendation or are talking with a client and that creates the emotion. And that creation of the emotion, is it a positive for the conversation that you're having? Or is it the client fighting against the conversation that you're having with them? I think it's important to not just lump emotional conversations in this one big bucket or bag and realize that there are going to be nuances with regards to the source of the emotions, whether or not those emotions are supportive of the direction you're trying to take the client in or are working against the direction that you're trying to take the client in. And just kind of recognizing the context of the emotion, not just the emotion itself. And it could be coming from the coach as well, Mm -hmm. depending on what baggage we're bringing to the conversation or based on the client's reaction. Yeah. It is always coming from the coach as well. (laughs) I'll, I'll just get rid of the candy and say it is always coming from the coach as well. It is not possible for you to come into an environment absent of emotion that that's well it is possible if you have brain damage a very specific type of brain damage or are a sociopath then yes you or can actually actually yeah that's possible too but in all seriousness though those are two groups of people that don't bring emotion into things specifically because they have the parts of their brain that deal with emotions are no longer working 
interesting study of a person that had a metal rod shoot through their brain and severed the emotional center and all sorts of different changes in how they viewed things and everything. So absent that, you're going to bring emotion to it. So let's talk <laughs> about being heard. Nailed it. And that's one of the big things that you have to realize. Emotions, especially if the emotions are heightened, they can get very uncomfortable. And anyone who says that, oh, no, I'm really great at dealing with when clients are having really heightened emotions, sadness, anger, whatever, they say, oh, no, I'm really great at dealing with that. That probably means you're not in touch with your own emotions in that moment. And you think you're expressing yourself in one way, but it's actually being received in a very different way. Because our natural reaction is to become uncomfortable. We don't like seeing other people sad. We don't like seeing other people angry. And the stronger the emotion is, the more we become uncomfortable with it. And so a typical response is to try and brush it under the rug, try and move past it, to try and get the client out of the emotion so that we can get back to the work of what we're here for. Let's stop with all this blabbering and blubbering and get back to doing budgets. But you're never going to get a client to move past emotion until they feel heard and validated in the emotion. And that's something that it's important to do. This is a piece where I feel like, God, where do I want to go with this? I feel like doing the internal work, I wrote about this in a blog post a little while ago, but like you cannot help take someone where you haven't been before. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of being able to be comfortable or be able to navigate discomfort as a coach and sit in the... S-H-I-T, as I like to put it, yeah. I think that's, I think, why training any kind of, you know, even, even it's just going to therapy in your personal life and getting an understanding of what that looks like to be able to not have your default, like you said, kind of jump into how do I get out of the discomfort, but notice that discomfort isn't bad. It actually, just right to your point, you can't move past it and expect mm -hmm. to get the client to move as well without addressing it. Yeah. So you kind of have to learn to be comfortable with it and not just comfortable, but you know, this is a topic for another day, but like how to actually navigate it well. Yeah. And I think that the biggest thing with navigating it well is honestly, don't try to navigate it. The more we try and control other people's emotions, which is really what many people are trying to do when they're trying to get people, okay, let's calm down. Oftentimes when we respond to someone being sad, our response is, let's get you to not be sad anymore. And that's us trying to control the other person's emotions. And that generally doesn't work out well for either party. And oftentimes it's better instead of to navigate it from the standpoint of getting ourselves through it and out it, out of it. Instead, navigate it from the standpoint of being present in that emotion with the other person. Allowing the emotion to just be there and be part of the conversation. Clients that, well, let's look at a situation like a client who is, has just lost their spouse. Spouse of 30 or 40 years, very good relationship, so on and so forth, and they just lost the spouse. One of the most common things that people do is let's not bring up the spouse because we don't want to remind them of it. 
I've got news for you. They just lost their spouse of 30 years. You're not reminding them of anything. They are very aware that they woke up this morning without their spouse. They had breakfast this morning without their spouse. And by you trying to avoid it, right? Because you may potentially to protect yourself, but also partially to not want to hurt them and bring up something negative. What you're actually doing is you're telling the client, the fact that you lost your spouse is actually not that important to me. Let's just move on. And so address that, talk about it, be present in that pain and that loss with them and allow it to be a part of the conversation, not avoided in the conversation. All right. This is going to sound like a weird piece of homework to give people, but if you haven't watched it, Inside Out is a delight. Oh my God, it's so, I, that is exactly the movie that I th- said I'm going to bring this up during this conversation today. <laughs> Inside Out, it's a Pixar movie about emotions. I actually it was in a client session a couple of weeks ago and I asked him a particular question and he just kind of went silent for a little bit and then just broke out into tears. And later on in the conversation, he was just like, have you seen Inside Out? And it just, it speaks so perfectly to what you said that there's no need to change the emotion. Mm-hmm. It's simply being with that emotion because you know, being happy all the time is not human. Right. And sadness is not bad. Yeah. So the homework, just as a quick detour, I love that you knew that as well. <laughs> if you're interested in diving more into this topic, you get to watch a movie and it's yeah. a fantastic movie. And I think you'll really enjoy it. And one thing that I do want to add to Inside Out is, and you may not have noticed this, but at the end, they run the credits and they've got, you know, the actors and all these other things. And then there's these lists of neuroscience foundations and psychology Mm -hmm. foundations. That movie is one of the most well-researched documentaries of how the human brain actually works because... It was neuroscience foundations and and psychology foundations that actually consulted on like how the brain processes memories and how and the and the concept of core memories and how our personalities are built on them and how we move our temporary memories into permanent memories and how the brain sorts that like everything is like really really well based in in the actual science right down to the little characters that's actually who's inside your head I don't know if you noticed that but when you cut open a brain that part's made up but <laughs> it's like the woman from Parks and Rec she's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. But in all seriousness though, the movie is like a really well-researched piece of how the brain actually works. So you can definitely look at it as, no, I'm actually learning. So just in case some of you are that intense, where you're like, I can't take a break. This has to be business, which is kind of sometimes what I fall into. So hi, nice to meet you. You now have the permission from Professor Trosh that this is part of, yes, to watch a movie. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a, it is, like you said, it's a great movie. So enough about, about advertising Pixar. I think we got enough to get our check from them and we can move on. Stay. So. That need, just want that money. That's all it's for. Yeah. Want that money. But yeah, so really one of the things that you want to get good at is just being comfortable with negative emotion. Some of the things, for example, that people do out of discomfort is they will, if someone starts crying, if you're sitting next to the person in the same room you'll hand the person a box of tissues. And that, that action combined with how you hand it to them, your body language, when you hand it to them, basically tells the other person, 
okay, I'm done now with you crying. You need to shut up so that we can get back to work, which is not a very good way of, of interacting with a person who's going through an, a negative emotion. So and I know before I- In that case, like telling people that, because I feel like some people might see that not that way. Not everyone might see it that way, but, or do you need to then, if that's something you're used to doing or that you've done before, do you uh, stop doing it? Do you accompany you with it here? Like, would you like a handkerchief? No. no need to please continue or tell me what's going on. How would you frame that or just not do it? Yeah. So the psychologist that I got this example from, their recommendation was just allow the person to cry. Don't hand them the box of tissues. If it's not easily accessible to them, just move it to be easily accessible without giving it to them to allow them to be able to reach out to it. Or if you know that there's a high likelihood of emotional interactions, such as your client just lost their spouse, shouldn't be a surprise to you that there might be tears coming. Just have the box of tissues prominent and there so that the client can make their own decision when they're ready. That was the recommendations that the psychologist made with regards to these exact, this exact example. Gotcha. So, so yeah, where do you want to go next? It's a good question. So we touched on the first point around why people, well, we talked about that people can't move past emotion until they've been heard or validated. We kind of touched on the why. Do we want to dive any more around the why they aren't able to? Yeah, we definitely can. The reality is emotions are normal. And so it's almost even a bad idea to think about it as moving past the emotions. And I would even say good or bad emotions mm -hmm. or positive or negative emotions is even a, I don't think that's an accurate framing of it. You just yeah. have emotions and some are yeah. perceived as happy or, or not even that that's a description of it. Some are perceived as good or perceived as bad, but right. in actuality, if you only have happy, it's probably because you're suppressing or not connected to your ability to process things that are viewed as challenging emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say that moving past it is not getting rid of the emotion and then going back to work, moving past it is being able to continue with the work, even though the emotion is present in there and getting comfortable with being able to, to not have the client's emotion be seen as an impediment to the work, but be seen as an integral partner with the work. And I want to make sure that it's not being perceived as we're not using the emotion to manipulate people into doing things. It's helping people to see how the work that they're doing is a part of just sort of their emotional journey in general and being comfortable with it just being a part of the conversation. One of the nice things about the work that we do is that numbers naturally force the, force the neocortex to get more blood flow. As the neocortex gets more blood flow, it pulls blood flow from the limbic system and that naturally suppresses emotion. I just laugh about things that, of course, what? you know, just <laughs> because you're you. I'm like, where the hell did that even come from? Bruh. But I'm learning. But I am here in class as well. So the, the neocortex is our human thinking brain. Yeah. Right. Frontal kind of yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. And it's got a whole bunch of parts to it. Limbic system and the amygdala have a whole bunch of parts to it. Emotions are within the limbic system and the amygdala. And when our emotions get heightened, it actually constricts blood flow to the neocortex. And the reason for this is because that's our faster thinking brain. And if we were on the open plains and a tiger roared, we don't want our neocortex sitting there going, okay, so the tiger can run approximately 34 miles per hour. And this is ab about 250 feet. I have a two foot spear, the fine, right? We don't want our brain doing all these calculations because we're dead by the time we figure all these things out. Math, limbic system, amygdala doesn't have any capability for that. So therefore looking at numbers requires more blood flow into the neocortex, which opens it up and allows emotion to be not suppressed from the standpoint of it disappears, but it doesn't take on, on as prominent a role. Gotcha. So ask the someone to do a math problem next know. time they're angry. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Good advice. Yeah. Good advice. By the way, it works amazing on children with my kids. If your kids are really emotional, ask them a question and they'll actually calm down a lot faster than you telling them, okay, I need you to calm down because it, it forces them to start thinking. Hilarious. I'll see if I don't have kids, but I'll see if it works on my cats. Sure it will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Cats, kids. Potato, potato, honestly. All right. So let's move on to the next one, which is your emotions. And you are always going to have emotions associated with clients. There's no way around it. Whether those emotions are the positive ones, quote unquote, or the negative ones, and there are emotions that are definitely negative ones. Frustration is never ends up being a positive emotion because you end up having shorter patience with the client. You're not willing to work with the client as much. You're not willing to meet them because you get frustrated. And that frustration causes you to expect the client to come meet you where you want to be. And so that's one of the big emotions that you want to watch because it, most emotions, sadness has a very positive role within it. Anger has a very positive role. And there's a reason why there's this concept called righteous anger. Frustration, on the other hand, if you don't turn it into something else like motivation, frustration is one of those emotions that will really damage the relationship with the other person because of the lack of patience, because of the you'll start to feel entitled to have them come, like I said before, to where you are. And that's not our role as professional advisors of any type. Our role, we're all financial, we're all talking financial coaches, but same thing with doctors, same thing with lawyers, same thing with CPAs. Our role is to meet them where they are. Right. And yes, we bring our expertise when we do it but we're still meeting them where they are. And frustration really becomes a, a damaging thing for the ability to do that. And so really watch that particular emotion. And if you want to take it one step further, then try to look at why frustration is coming up and just notice like, yeah, what is it that supposedly that they are doing? Yeah. That's the first place. That's an easy way to tell that if it's like, oh, they're wrong and they're doing something to be like, oh, I should probably look at what's yeah. going on beneath the surface on my end. But that can be, I found it helpful mm -hmm. more so in personal relationships than the coaching ones, or at least I did my learning there. Or I'm just like, okay, if I'm frustrated, what is that poking in me? 
And what can I then learn about what's getting poked so I can learn to just better understand it and hopefully at some point Mm -hmm. in time, like let it go. So in the future, it doesn't poke me in that same kind of way. Yeah. The first place to look anytime there's a problem is in the mirror. One great example of this that was actually came up in the community. This has come up in the community quite a lot in the past. I have never really commented on, on these posts. I also didn't comment on yours for a different reason, but there is a common thing that comes up in the community of client canceled on me last minute, or this is the third time they've canceled on me. And what should I do? And if you go back and search for these types of posts, like client cancel, you will see this very quick theme of, do you have a no refunds policy in your contract and dump the client? And they obviously don't care. They obviously aren't serious about it. That's the theme of the post. And I don't comment because I don't like those posts, like to a very, very deep level. So you know yourself good enough to just not jump in and go down on that one. Boundaries, (laughs) self-boundaries. And so you posted a post about exactly the same situation, only you talked about that you thought, well, I wonder what's going on with the client. And that was such a more powerful way. And I also didn't comment on your post because the comment that I wanted to make was, you see all you people who commented all of the previous posts, this is how you do it. Look, read Garrett's post, print it out, save it. You need to have this. If you've commented on these types of things before, you need to have this on your desk. Tell me how you really feel about this. <laughs> let's all, let's all look at what emotions are coming up right now. Oh yeah, Josh. totally. Yeah. Love it. And so The reality is what you posted was so powerful and important. And I think it's really important that people realize that. I'm not going to butcher by paraphrasing what it is, but I am going to ask you, kind of give an overview of what it was that happened, what it was that you responded and how the client responded to it. And so that people know what I'm all over the place. (laughs) Referring to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Long story, hopefully slightly shorter is a client canceled for the third time. I didn't even get any notice. Usually I at least get some kind of notice. I tried to follow up with him. It was complete radio silence. So that triggered righteous like, God, why did he do that to me? And that's really frustrating. And God, why doesn't he value my time? And then, you know, as we talked about earlier, like I noticed that that was happening and I'm like, okay, this is, I'm making it about me, which isn't inherently bad, but I just need to, because you need to honor the emotions that are coming up. But if I like react based on that, that's not going to be helpful. So it made, when I got away from my stuff, I was then able to remember like, right, he's actively mentioned that he struggles with, kind of struggles with being bipolar, not kind of, like he struggles with being bipolar. And so remembering that, and then kind of how that had shown up just in small instances. I think he'd done his best to hide it at times, but he had brought it up once or twice. And it just allowed me to say, okay, this is not normal for him, right? When I was able to get out of my emotions, I'm like, wait a second. Like, yes, he's canceled before, but he gave me notice the first time, gave me notice the second time and actually paid to get the part of my contract. So he's he's invested, something more is going on and therefore reached out to him and just said, hey, I'm sorry you weren't able to make it to our session, but you know, we'll worry about that later. But now I just want to check in and make sure everything's okay, how you're doing. You know, you mentioned struggling with being bipolar and that this stuff can really 
be really freaking hard. I have no idea what this is like. I can't even pretend to know what it's like. So I just know that I'm here for you. I got you. And we'll go and figure out and get back to this money stuff when you're, when you're better and no rush. And then he sent a text back that was just like, thank you. I really appreciate you. This is so like for you to see my humanity in that moment when it was really hard for me meant a lot. So it was one of those moments where rather than being frustrated, me projecting that onto him and then shutting him down in a space when he wasn't ready to hear it, it's like actually leaning into it allowed the relationship to become a lot stronger because I acknowledge the human behind it, the human behind the client, right? Because you can oftentimes think of it as like, well, the client and we have a process and now we can't do our process and are they going to pay and are they going to what? We have all of this business crap that comes into our heads, but the getting back to the human part was much better for the relationship, I think, than any other way that kind of like you talked about that I could yeah. have done it. And one of the things that, that's really important is understanding the concept of projection. And projection takes many forms. And oftentimes what we do is out of that frustration, whatever that's coming, whatever's causing that, we project onto the client all of these emotions and thoughts that really have nothing to do with going on with what's going on in the client's mind. So when people say, oh, well, they don't value your time. No, that, that's you projecting onto them that you believe that that's what the cause is. They don't value coaching. Again, that's projection. And we want to, it's very important that we fight that projection. Anytime you are, you think you know what someone else is thinking, you know, you have to know that you're wrong because <laughs> there's only one person that you know what they're thinking. And if you're like me, I don't even know what he's thinking oftentimes. <laughs> oh, yes. Right? Agreed. And so what, one of the key takeaways that is just a very actionable item, very easy thing to do is what Garrett did was instead of taking all that projection and then sending the email based on that projection, it was very simple of Garrett asked him <laughs> And there was a lot more that Garrett did as well, but that's something that's a very easy, actionable thing to do is when something happens, you're frustrated. Someone will stick with, they canceled without notice. Just shoot them an email and say, hey, just missed our meeting. What you said, you know, we'll figure that out later. Wonderful. That means the rest of the email is not going to be about that. And it was just, I wanted to check in on with, with you and how things are going. And just asking that, in that compassionate way will allow you to, instead of assuming what's going on in their head, to elicit them to inform you about what's going on in their head. Yep. And when you're live with the person, and you've all done this, don't lie, you've all done this. When emotions are high and someone says, oh, well, here's what's going on, or here's what I meant, or here's what, don't think to yourself and definitely don't say, oh, I knew what you meant. No, 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 you didn't. You're not in their head. So if they tell you something, take it at face value, regardless of how much you think that that can't be possible. Trying to apply rational thought to emotions is irrational. I love that sentence. And also realize that you don't apply rational thought. You're applying your irrational emotions disguised as rational thought. 
one of my favorite things that an old pastor actually said was when you, the word rationalize is absolutely perfect. They are rational lies. Yep. And so when we try to look at things rationally, we have to realize that we don't do that. That's not what we're doing. We're taking our own emotions. We are rationalizing those emotions to make us feel like we're looking at things rationally when we're not. And it's important just to recognize that <laughs> our emotions are being imbued into this just as much as theirs are. Yeah. And I think that's just a good life takeaway as well, yeah. which is like, there is no such thing as rationality. We all have our own biases yep. and we all have a lens of which we're coming and looking at things from. So I could go down a huge rabbit hole there, but just that, I think that's a very, very important piece to remember that there is no thing as rational. Yeah. Well, I hope this was helpful for those of you who are coaching yeah. clients, which hopefully yeah. is a good number of you. And for those who aren't yet, you will soon. And this is one of the most foundational things to have successful client relationships. So maybe we'll find some other ways to incorporate this. Assuming anyone wants to hear more about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, assuming, yeah. you know, we'll just do it anyway. Do it anyway. <laughs> well, thank you, Josh. As always a pleasure. Thank you to everyone who showed up. Appreciate the comments, Chi and Emily, and we'll be on next week. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.